I am amazed at how resilient some people are. I've heard stories from many of you about adversity that you have overcome. You've been in the valley of the shadow of death, and you have not feared evil because the Lord is walking with you. That's an awesome thing for the Lord to sustain you through hard times in your life. I've had days where I've broken a thing and it's ruined my day. I'm like, man, I spent $10 on that. Some of you may have heard of Corey Ten Boom. She was an impressive woman, born in 1892. I'm pretty sure we have some Dutch people here. She's from the Netherlands. I hope, I hope that they teach you, like, is this part of being Dutch? Like, hear about Corey Ten Boom. She was a very strong woman. Uh, she was born in 1892. She became the first woman in all of, the ne- in all of, um, of Holland to uh, be a licensed watchmaker. So she was not only brave, she was gifted, like, with her hands and with intricate things. And according to Wikipedia, and I quote, her faith inspired her to serve society, which they did, her family did, by offering shelter and food and money to those who were in need. They were a family that offered not out of their own abundance, um, but actually out of kind of scarcity. They offered because they felt called by the Lord to offer these things to people. And in May of 1940, Germany invaded the Netherlands and word had spread about this family's generosity. Um, and first one Jewish woman came to them seeking aid, and then many others. And they actually built a false wall in one of the upstairs bedrooms that they would hide Jews behind. And they had a buzzer system where if they saw a Nazi coming, they could hit the buzzer, and people upstairs would hear it, and they would be able to hide. Um, and they were able for, uh, for years, in fact, four years, it looks like, to... Um, I don't want to brag, but um, I'm pre- 1944 is when they got caught. 1940 is when this happened. Uh, four years um, that they were able to do this and um, successfully hide these people. And through their generosity, they were able to, um, a big thing were rations, is that food was rationed. And they were able to, to acquire a lot of ration cards to help feed not only the Jews hiding in their home, um, but uh, Jews hiding in other homes as well. An amazing story. Um, I, I believe there's a book that she wrote, uh, co-wrote, called The Hiding Place uh, that, that talks about some of these exploits. But in 1944, uh, an informant, um, of course, informants, like people were informing on each other, um, uh, and this was a Dutch informant, turned her in, and she was first sent to prison and then to a concentration camp. And through a clerical error, eventually she was released. Um, she was destined for execution. She was in there for years. And in fact, one of her sisters died in this concentration camp. And her sister, who died in jail, she had this insight that was amazing. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That someone who's jailed for helping someone else who was persecuted... Someone who's jailed for assisting the powerless is able to say that, someone who died in jail is able to say, there is no pit so deep that God is not there. Amazing resilience. It reminds me of of the Apostle Paul, who we know from Scripture, um, that in 2 Corinthians, he talks about a thorn in his side, that he went to the Lord and he said, three times, God, would you please remove this thorn from my side? He doesn't specify what it is. What he heard back from the Lord in prayer was that the thorn would remain. And what he heard from the Lord was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
This is the second Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting, of longing, of expectation. It's a season where we look around and we see adversity, we see suffering, we see injustice, we see the righteous persecuted throughout the world. We see people who are victims of, 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 of economic injustice, people um, even in this city. Uh, it's neat that, that, to see that there, there people are fighting back against injustice. Of, uh, I got a chance to meet someone who's a, a lawyer who, who helps to fight um, with people who are working here um, uh, with visa, work visas, um, and their, their, their employers will threaten them and so they'll say, whatever we agreed on, we're going to give you less, otherwise we're going to fire you, and your, your visa is, is based on your employment. So if we fire you, if you won't take half of what we're going to pay, pay you, you, get, you have to go back home. And they're fighting this injustice. We look around, we see people persecuted, we see, we see, we see that creation is broken. And in Advent, we look to the horizon, we say, Lord, come Lord Jesus, come and make all things right. And in the, in the reading from Isaiah today, we saw this beautiful imagery of what will happen. And Revelation talks about the wiping away of every tear. But here we see the, 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 the lion lying down with the lamb. We see um, this beautiful prophetic vision of what the kingdom to come will be when it is consummated. That's this season, the season of longing and expectation, where we see um, not necessarily the adversity that Corey Ten Boom saw, but we see adversity and we look for that, that time to come. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Can you imagine Corey Ten Boom watching the wickedness of the Nazis and then being jailed by them? Can you imagine her daily prayers? We may not have the adversity that she went through, uh, that she, had to, she was jailed for aiding the least, the last, and the lost, but we still look out on the same broken world. We long for Jesus to return, to consummate his kingdom, and to wipe away every tear. We long for him to restore creation. Today is also a day of celebration. We celebrate the welcoming of Aletheia into God's kingdom, into God's covenant family. Baptisms are definitely things to celebrate. The Bible teaches that we are born into sin and apart from the work of Christ and apart from our being united with Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism, that we are helpless. And, and the, the, the Bible has several images of, of us apart from the work of Jesus Christ. We have the image of being lost. The book of Luke talks about this image of being lost. And we have, of course, that great hymn, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And recently I've talked a lot about uh, one of my favorite books, the, uh, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, Luke chapter 15, where we see three parables that Jesus tells. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. And we see lost things being found. We also see uh, in each of these parables, we have something that's lost, we have something that's found, we have rejoicing. Each of the parables ends in, in that similar way, except the, the lost son, the, the prodigal son, of course, has this epilogue where we have uh, the older brother, but, but the first part of it is, is the father rejoicing at the lost son returning. That's the recurring theme, rejoicing. That's what we're doing today. We're rejoicing because of Aletheia. Um, Here's how the first parable ends, the parable of the lost sheep. And when he found it, he lays the lamb on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is rejoicing in heaven at lost things being found. There is rejoicing in heaven. Uh, Today, the heavens are rejoicing as Aletheia passes through the waters of baptism. Here's how that second parable ends. Parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin. The woman who found the lost coin, it says, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then you probably know the parable of the prodigal son. Maybe you don't. Um, uh, the son leaves his family, blows his inheritance, returns home hoping to become, come back just as a, as a servant. Um, the father sees him far off when he's far off. And the father hitches up his robes, a very undignified thing back in those days. He hitches up his robes and he runs to the son that is returning. We see the joy of the father at this son repenting. All dignity goes to the background, to the back seat, because he has overwhelming joy at his son returning. He says to his servants, I I love this language. I, I wish I could have like cool things like this where I could be like, Bring this to me. Bring, bring me the robe. You know, like, ah, this person's, we have these guests over. Bring me the, 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 the slaughter the, the, the fatted sheep. Um, wouldn't that be great to do this? Uh, this father, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. I should have a ring for my guests. So wouldn't that be cool? And shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. The common thread here is rejoicing and celebration at a sinner repenting. We even have a description of there being joy in heaven at at the sinner repenting. So that's Luke's language. Luke talks about being lost and being found, and he talks about joy and rejoicing at repentance of a sinner. And I like the language that Paul uses in Romans of being dead to sin and alive in Christ. So do you see these kind of parallels, these kind of um, opposites? You know, um, we have being lost and being found. We have being dead in sin and alive in Christ. We are made alive in Christ in our baptism. And in Romans chapter 6, we see Paul say, um, uh, you're united with Christ in his death. United with him in his death and resurrection in your baptism. Today will be the first time that we'll have an immersion baptism here at Church of the Resurrection. Our other baptisms we've done by sprinkling because we believe that sprinkling is sufficient, but it is the image of, of immersion, of actually going underwater. And, and that's that, 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 that is a more appropriate image of, of what baptism is, of being united with death. Going under the water represents death, and being pulled up represents our resurrection in Jesus Christ. We are made alive in Jesus Christ in our baptisms. And so every baptism that we witness, we not only celebrate for Aletheia, but we celebrate what our baptism means for us. We remember our baptism. We, in fact, renew our baptism. Uh, we renew, renew our baptism vows. And we remember who we are in Jesus Christ and what our baptism means for us. We are being, that we have been brought from death into life. And we, and, uh, we have an, an, another image of, uh, in Scripture of being brought from darkness into light. Death to life, darkness to light, lost and found. And we have this consistent theme in Scripture of repentance. Of, that's what we're called to in Jesus Christ. 
I love the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. He just gets down to business. There's no birth story. Like right away, it's just like, let's get down to business. Jesus, uh, by the 14th verse, Jesus going out into, um, he's already been tempted in like five verses, um, comes back and it says um, in verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And of course, today's reading from Matthew has John the Baptist preaching this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we were to do a word search of how, how many times we see Jesus, like what was his message that he said? Repent and believe the good news. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. And this year, of course, we spent a number of weeks in Acts chapter 2. We see um, the day of Pentecost, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we see Peter stand up and preach to the crowd. And he, he preaches this, this, this really interesting sermon up to the Jews about how like this Jesus that you crucified is the one that was promised. And it says that the crowd, that they were cut to the heart, cut to the heart, and they believed. And they said, what shall we do? And what's Peter's response? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Traditionally, churches were built facing east. And in fact, our orientation here is a little bit backwards, out of whack. We're facing west. But traditionally, churches were built um, facing east. And these were significant. And baptismal fonts were at the back of the church. Inherent in the, in the Hebrew idea of repentance is turning your back on your sin and turning towards the Lord. And in fact, that's what we're going to do today, is that as they make three, um, th three statements of rejecting the world, the flesh, and the devil, um, Aletheia is going to turn her back uh, well, to the east, but we're going to pretend like that's west. We're going to turn her back, and we're going to face um, the Lord. We're going to turn her back on her former life and turn towards her new life in Jesus Christ. In this service, we turn our back on the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we turn toward God, and we're received by his covenant community. And that's where we're celebrating, that God welcomes us into his covenant family, that God, as part of his family, that we are, our sins are forgiven, we are welcomed as heirs, as sons and daughters and heirs of his kingdom. In this broken world, there is salvation in Jesus Christ. That no matter what comes Alethea's way or no matter what comes your way, no matter what comes my way, we find our identity in Jesus Christ and in him alone. There's a lot of hurt out there. I hate to say this about... Um, a beautiful child like Aletheia, I hate to say this about you, you're going to encounter a lot of hurt in this world. There are going to be a lot of things that are going to strive to define you. And the devil is going to whisper to you that, and want you to define yourself based on your sin or the things that are said to you, the things that people say to you. You're going to be tempted to believe the bad things and evil things that people say about you rather than the promises that Jesus says about you that in Christ you are a new creation, that you belong to him and that nothing can separate you from his love. So people will treat you, each of you and me, like you're worthless. But in the words of the great hymn, how firm a foundation, these, we sing these promises of God to us. And that one of the promises of God to us is that that soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake, that the Lord will never forsake us. 
This is a paraphrase of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and 38. That Paul writes, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the promise of baptism. That as God's children, we never need to fear whether we belong. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere? Whether you were at a formal event and you were a little bit underdressed, whether you're at your spouse's uh, work party and you're just like, I, I just don't feel like I belong. It's a terrible feeling to feel like you don't belong. And I know that in medical professions, um, that many newcomers um, just, just feel like way like over their head. Like I, these people are so smart and I, I read this stuff in a book and like I don't feel like I belong. We don't ever need to wonder whether we belong because we've been marked as Christ's own forever, that we've been united with him in our baptism. What the devil tries to tell you, when he tries to tell you that you don't belong, you're not good enough, your identity is found in something else and something you've done or something has been done to you, it's not true. It's a lie. It's your identity. It's in Jesus Christ. You can have assurance of that because of what God has done in the waters of baptism, that he has claimed you as his own. The journey isn't over. It's not going to be over for Alethea today, and it's not over for you and for me. We'll be tempted, and we will be tried. We'll have days where our faith will burn low. We'll have days where the devil will try to tell us lies about ourselves, and we'll be tempted to believe them. Some days we'll be defined by the shame of our sin or the sins that have been done to us. But in our baptism, we have assurance of God's favor for you and for me. That we may be fickle, but he is not. So let's celebrate this today. Let's celebrate what this means for Alethea and let's celebrate what this means for us. After I've baptized Alethea, I will remind you of your baptism in a very tangible way. This is my favorite part, and every baptism I've been a part of, I've looked forward to this ever since. Is that I'm going to take the waters of baptism, and I'm going to throw them on you. I'm going to get you wet. I'm going to remind you, I hope when you feel that water, that you remember your baptism and who you are in Jesus Christ because of the merits of God's work on your behalf. That you belong to Jesus Christ and that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your free gift of, of, of being called one of yours as a son or a daughter or an heir, Lord. Thank you for this free gift that you've given us. Lord, let us celebrate what this means today for Aletheia and what this means for us. And let us remember who we are in Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church and our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824.
East 14th Street.